I want to say welcome back. Welcome back here. This is part two of a series that we began last week. And uh, we are in the middle of studying the book of Galatians. This book is a, uh, the book, one of the two books that our Bible quizzers are studying. And uh, we have a Bible quiz bowl that's coming up February 5th. So excited about that. And uh, that is going to be over the book of Galatians and Ephesians. And uh, we are uh, in this adult Bible class here on Sunday mornings, diving into this book of Galatians. And this is a letter, or as the Bible calls it, this is an epistle that was written from Paul to the church that he had planted in Galatia. Galatia was the, what is now modern day Turkey and um, just a little north west of of Israel, and uh, this is the area where he had planted a church, and now he's writing a letter back to that church, and so uh, we are uh, studying this book, but it's not just for the fact that we have our Bible quiz bowl that's covering this book. I really believe that it is very beneficial for us as we turn the page on a new year, as we make new commitments and we renew our passion and our purpose for all that God has in store for us, that that we would go into this book. I believe it's beneficial for that. And it is really important for you to understand the context and the way that this whole story is set up. The overarching theme of this book, and this is, you'll see this on the top of your handout, Learning to live free. As we saw last week, if you were here with us, last week we talked about how there really are two ways that you can approach God. There's two different ways that that you are able to to try to attempt to approach God or that we see people trying to approach God. And and one of those is a very rule-based approach religion that uh, would try to approach God according to a lot of rules. This, If you look into the Old Testament, there were a lot of rules and ways that God said, this is how you need to do it. You need to make this sacrifice and that sacrifice, and you need to uh, cleanse yourself in this manner and that manner. And, and God had many rules and different things for them. But as we come into the New Testament, we see the abolishment of that law. The fulfillment of that law. And Jesus come into relationship with his people. We saw God robe himself in flesh and come down and dwell among his people. He he, he made his presence. He made his presence there in the midst of the people in the tabernacle. But he hadn't come down in flesh until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, that was... God robing himself in flesh and being here with us and showing there is, there's more than just following rules. This is more than just, just you trying to, uh, check off the right boxes in order to make it to heaven. I wanna, I want to know you. I want to have relationship with you. And that's, that's really what God still desires for us today is for us to not just do this by following a bunch of rules, but rather that we would 
follow Christ in relationship with him, that we would just desire to be with him. And from that, yes, there are expectations. There are things that he would ask us to do, but it first comes, it it all flows out of love and our love for him. And so these two brands of Christianity, really these two gospel messages, as we uh, mentioned last week, we called them last week. Uh, it was it was all down. We saw it even from the beginning. This choice that Adam and Eve had, this choice between uh, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they chose to try to get their own knowledge, you know, become God, become like God, their own way, rather than simply doing it the way that God had planned for them, which was through the tree of life, and so. Uh, I don't want to refresh or rehash all of that today, but uh, we are going to pick up where we left off last week. And so I wanted to do just a little bit of a recap here this morning before we, before we dive into this. But later, um, this, we're going to pick up here in, in Galatians chapter 2. And here we see Peter, this disciple who had followed Jesus. That Peter, the one that was a fisherman, that Jesus came and said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men from now on. The one that was close by Jesus all throughout his ministry. The one who chopped off the soldier's ear when Jesus was being arrested. But the one that also denied Jesus when Jesus was being hung on the cross. This Peter, the one who had come back in a relationship with God and after his denial And he preached on the day of Pentecost. That Peter. But that Peter, he has a face-to-face confrontation with Paul. Because Peter was part of the problem in Galatia. He was out of line. And so Paul says, and we're going to pick up here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, is where we're going to start off here this morning. It says that when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. And when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. So we see Peter, he had, he had a part in this. It says, but afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Now, this is what we discussed last week, this division of, of whether or not you want to go back to the rule-based way of following God and approaching God, or if now that Jesus has come and died for us and given us a new testament, a new way uh, to, to live for him that is in freedom, learning to live free, uh, he says... You guys don't have to be circumcised like you, you used to in order to obtain salvation. And so we see this still causing some division. He says, as a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their, their hypocrisy. So just to help you get the, the picture here a little more clearly. They had all of these... New Gentile Christians who are finding faith and freedom in Jesus. They had joined themselves to the church. They were following God out of this 
heartfelt desire, this, this true love, this passion that they had, that they wanted to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and Paul, in planting this church there in Galatia, he established in them that this is a, a new way, that, that how you are saved from now on is through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with God's Spirit and then living a holy life. That is that is how you are saved. It is it is through that and that alone. It's not through the old law. But then you have these Jewish Christians who came in behind Paul after Paul left to start another church. And these super conservative Jewish Christians, they came in and they said, "No, we need to get back to just following every every rule and every law and all these laws from the Old Testament if you want salvation. They even influenced the behavior of Peter and it seems that Paul was was very surprised that even Barnabas was influenced and that he was separating himself from these Gentile Christians who had found faith in Christ. And so I, I want you to see this because the theme of today's message really is about how do you keep from going back to your old way of living? How do you keep from reverting back to this, this way that is trying to do everything yourself or trying to, to earn God's favor on, on your own, on your own terms? If you were with us last week, we, we talked about these, these two gospels. One, it's, it's not, it says that really it's not a gospel at all, that these are the two ways to approach Jesus. That one is through rules and whatever that you can accomplish in your own goodness your own righteousness. But what does Jesus have to say about that? Jesus says that, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. That we can't, we can't, nev- we can never be good enough to, and to get to heaven. On our own. You, we can never be good enough to make it to heaven. But through the grace of God, and for what he did for us on the cross, and the fact that he extended his love and his grace and his mercy to us, we have an opportunity at eternal life with him in heaven. We do. And I'm thankful for that. But let's not get it twisted that it's all about what we do. It's not all about what we do. It's about that he loved us first. And because he loved us first, I love him back. And I want to please him. And so it's easier, but it's easier than you might think to go back and forth between these two approaches to God. This one approach that says, uh, if I read enough scriptures a day, then I'm gonna, then God's gonna be happy with me. And the other approach that says, I want to get into the scripture because I want to know Jesus. I want to get into the scripture because I want to see him here in these words. I want to know more about him. It's not about how many scriptures I can read. It's not about how, how much I can fast. We're in the middle of a, of a time of fasting right now, but it's not about, it's not about just, uh, you know, fasting. I'm going to fast so that I can please God. No, I, I fast so that I can draw closer to Him. I want to draw closer to Him. I want to know Him. And so it's not about me trying to, uh, check off enough boxes that God's going to say, you've done enough. It's about relationship. But it's easy, uh, it's easier than we might think to, to go back and forth between these two ways of serving God. 
One way really is the way of a disciple. And the other is the way of somebody who is just following a religion. A disciple is somebody, and if you want to jot this down in your notes, I don't have it written there. A disciple is someone who is willing to let Jesus change what they care about to match and reflect what Jesus cares about. That's what a disciple is. It's somebody who is willing to change. When Jesus speaks to them, they're willing to change. When Jesus begins to uh, impress something on them in prayer, they're willing to change some things about the way that they live because, because I want the way that I live to match and reflect what he wants from me. That's what a disciple is all about. But it's very easy to go back and forth between being a disciple and being somebody who is just trying to do this by following a bunch of rules. And I don't want to just, I just, I don't want to be in a, in a relationship with God or I don't want to be following God just out of rules. I want to follow Him out of love. You feel that? So, how do we keep from going back to that rule-based religion? Because even myself, I, I struggle at times from switching back and forth. And if I'm not careful, I'll get in this routine of studying God's Word just to study, rather than studying it for the purpose of personal transformation. If I'm not careful, I can I can get into this routine of just just reading scripture just because, hey, I need to read the word of God rather than getting into the word so that I can be transformed by it. And sometimes I might even come to church for the wrong reasons. You know, might you be about, well, that's what's expected of me. Rather than I come to church because I want to come into the presence of the whole of the mighty God and I want to come and gather together with those so that we can we can sharpen one another and encourage one another to live uh, live for God more fully. And so when I'm living according to the right gospel or when I'm living in this way of a disciple, I come to church excited to worship. Right? I come to church Excited to be in his presence. I come to church excited to see and to experience life transformation in myself and in others. That's when I'm, when I'm approaching it the right way. That's what I'm excited about when I come to church. That's what I'm excited about. Not just when I come to church, but when I gather, when I gather together with the church, wherever it may be, I'm excited because I'm not just living uh, according to rules and to that old way that's trying to get God's favor, but rather I want to come and, and, and live out of the love that God has for me and I, and that I have for Him. So how do you keep from going back? It starts with understanding the gospel, and that's where Paul goes next. He just re-explains the gospel. If you go down to verse 16, in that same chapter, He says here that we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law. He's talking about the Old Testament law here. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. 
He says, we can't be made right with God through rule keeping. And how do we know this? We know this because we tried it. That's what he said. We know we were not made right. We know that Israel was not transformed. In fact, the majority of the history of the people of Israel was them following after and and serving other gods. If you read scripture, the majority of the history of the people of Israel, God's people, was where the majority of the nation was serving other gods. Even while they had temple sacrifices going on, even when they had these, uh, the, these, these things that were taking place in Jerusalem, the majority of the nation was following after and serving other gods, whether it be when the, when the kingdom was divided and you had Judah down south and you had Israel up north. It, all of that time, Israel up north, they all, the, their whole history was serving Baal and Ashtaroth and, and all these other gods, they, they completely fell away from their, their love and their desire for God. And so he says, we tried it that way, by, by doing it by rules. And really what God was, was showing us through that is that this isn't the perfect way. This isn't what I really desire. I mean, and this really isn't even a new thing. David wrote in the Psalms. He said... It's not about following the rules. It's about the heart that really matters. It's not about following after the law. It's about where is my heart at? So David, David says that even, even in the middle of all of that, he says it's, it, it's, it's not about just coming and coming and, and offering up a sacrifice. It's about where is my heart at? So he's referring here to the Old Testament law, but Even that set of rules, he says, it wasn't able to make us right with God. This is the best set of rules that there ever could have been. God is the one who established those rules. God is the one who said, this is what, this is how I want you to live. As, as my people, I want you to live this way according to this set of rules. You can come up with a better system of rules. But yet, even those rules that God came up with, that was not able to get them to draw close to God. That only happened Through faith in Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus were people able to be made right with God. Only through Jesus are we today able to be made right with God. And so let's, let's continue on. We're going to go to verse 19 in Galatians 2. He says, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I I, I stopped Trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Now let me paint this picture a little more clearly for you. The guy who is writing this, he was a Pharisee, a student of the law from an early age when he was just a a young boy. He was going to the, the, the Torah school and learning all of this Old Testament scripture. He was studying it. It says that he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the, uh, the, the 
the, the head of all of this schooling and, and the best of the best as far as learning about the Old Testament law. It says he studied there uh, right at his feet. And, and so he came up and, and he believed the law. He was passionate about the law. In fact, we see uh, when he first comes into the scripture, he was called Saul at that time. And he was throwing those, uh, those Jews who weren't following the law. Instead, they were turning to Jesus. They were looking to Jesus as, as their, uh, as their salvation. He was throwing them in prison. He was saying, you guys aren't following the law good enough. I'm going to throw you in prison. And he would do that. And he would even sat there or stood there as Stephen was stoned because he was no longer following the law. But now here he is saying, I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because I feel this tension, this this tension that most of us in this room have chosen this path of relationship. For most of us, it's a complete joy to serve God. But we all feel those days where it seems like you just switch right back to this other way. Where it's, where it's like, eh, I don't want, I don't want to have to deal with the, the relationship part of this. It's easier just to clock in and check in just every once in a while. It's easier just to pick up the scripture every once in a while and, and say, I've done my part. Because relationship takes work. Right? Anybody in a marriage, you know, relationship takes work. Any kind of relationship, even friendships, they, they take work. And, and not that that work is, is draining, but, but at times that work, it can be cumbersome or it can, it can take up some mental capacity from us. And, 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 and we feel like, oh, it's, I'd rather just kind of glide through. I, I, it might be easier if I could just check a few boxes and then say that I've done my part, that I'm good. And if I could just come to church just a couple of times, you know, God would be happy with me. And, and, that, and, and I could just live my life however I want. But in a, in a marriage, in a marriage, there's, there's some expectations of me that I would be faithful in marriage. And it's a joy for me to be faithful. I, I don't, I don't desire to, to not be faithful in marriage, but, but that's an expectation on me. And, and it's the same in us with, in our relationship with God, that we would be faithful to God in every aspect of our life. And so, how do we keep ourselves from not being faithful? How do we keep ourselves from swinging to this place that says, okay, I'm done with the, I'm done with just the, the relationship part and I just want to check the box now. I think that the, this, is, this is really the main theme of this particular chapter in Galatians. And especially in the final verse, it, it, does, um, it reveals to us the secret to not being someone who lives by the law or someone who is just practicing religion. And it mentions in that scripture a discipline. It mentions in this last scripture in this chapter a practice that honestly is not very popular. And so I'm just going to tell you right up front that this message... Uh, this message is not a message that you preach if you have a lot of new people uh, who are at the church and they're saying, oh, you know, tell me how, uh, how good and how easy this is going to be. But this is a great message for people who want to say, I want to grow in my relationship with God. 
I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody who says, I want to go deeper and, and understand that God, He is, uh, He is, uh, all that I need. And I want to give you this because this is the deep end of the pool. And I, and I don't, I don't mean deep end as in like theologically confusing because honestly, feel like deep, sometimes we think deep means that I'm completely confused. Anybody ever like you think, oh, that was deep. Like I'm confused now. That was deep. Or really deep, like deep is love your neighbor as yourself. Right? <laughs> right? Like that's deep. Love your neighbor as, as yourself. Love your enemy. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That's deep. Like that's challenging for me. This is a deep truth from God that would say, that would like cause me to like look inwardly and say, wow, do I really do that? Deep doesn't mean that you're confused about the situation. No, deep just means God is challenging you. And so, so let's, let's go there. This last chapter, or last verse, uh, rather last two verses in this chapter brings us to the, uh, the answer, the solution to this swinging back and forth. Galatians 2 verse 20. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Now, I, I know that Jesus died for me. But I understand that in order to be a Christian, I need to regularly put to death some things. I I have been crucified. And I, yeah, I know that Jesus died for me, and, I, and thank you, Jesus. But, but I don't just accept what Jesus did. No, I have been crucified with Christ. And here's the principle behind that. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He's basically saying, you've got to learn the art of dying. You've got to learn the art of putting to death some things in your life. Because dead men don't get mad. Dead men don't get jealous. Dead men don't live and and yearn after sin. They don't do things just to try to look good. They're dead. They don't just come to church and say, I've checked the box to say, I did my part. And now I can go and do whatever I want, even if it's not what God would want for me to do. Now, dead men are dead to their old self. And so he says, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is what we call living the crucified life. That's that's our title for today, living the crucified life. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So that's where we're going to go today. Talking about dying. The art of dying. If you're a believer, if you want to stay consistent in your walk with God, then then this is exactly what we need to learn. We need to learn to die. This is the the whole the whole theme of Galatians is about living free, to li- learning to live free, but real freedom comes when you first learn to die. Real freedom comes when you die 
to yourself. That's it. It can change your life forever when you understand that principle that it is about learning to die. See, Jesus, he talked about this in the book of Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to go to Matthew 16, verse 21 through 25. He says here, he says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples. So then on, this is uh, towards the end of his ministry, the end of the ministry of Jesus. He began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and that he would be killed But on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Now, I'm going to try to, again, put a little context for you today to help you understand that even at this time in the ministry of Jesus, his disciples still believed that the Messiah that was spoken of in the Old Testament was going to be a physical king that would come and that he would help them to be... uh, to be free from the Roman rule that was over them, and that he would establish himself as a king that was sitting on a throne there in Jerusalem. That was still their understanding at that time of what the Messiah was or what he was going to do. Now, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was going to sit on a throne in Jerusalem as the king over Israel who has now been freed from Roman rule. That's what they believed about Jesus. Not just the disciples, but that's what the the Jews of that time, they believed about Jesus and about the Messiah. But Jesus here says, I'm about ready to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. That puts a kink in their plans, right? (laughs) You can't die. You're going to rule in Jerusalem. You're going to be the king. So when Jesus is here and he's saying, I'm about to be crucified. Now we see Peter again needing to be corrected. If we go to the next scripture here, verse 22, it says Peter took Jesus aside and he began to reprimand him for saying such things, which I find kind of comical. <laughs> like, Peter, you're taking the one who has healed the blind man. You're taking the one who took a lunchable and fed 5,000 people. You're taking the one who walked on water. You saw him walk on water. And you're taking him aside and saying, you've got this all wrong. Let me tell you how this is going to work. Peter, you're, you're taking Jesus aside. And he began to reprimand him for saying that he was going to die. He says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Now look at what Jesus has to say and turn to, to Peter. He says, get away from me, Satan. A harsh word, but a needed word. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. So, I, I guess let's, let's go on. Uh, verse uh, 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. It's right here that Jesus introduces this concept that if people live their life 
based on their own desires and their own emotions, doing everything their own way, but they practice a discipline that needs to be in the church, living this crucified life. He says, you need to take up your cross. You can't do everything your own way, according to your, your emotions, according to your own desires. You need to take up your cross. You need to really, in order for you to really live life, if to live it to the fullness of what is, is there for you, you need to die in one aspect. Die to your flesh. If you really want to follow Christ, then your flesh needs to die. And he finishes it off with one more thing, which I really like because at that point it sounds almost too hard to do. But here he dangles this carrot out in front of them, verse 25. This promise, he says, if you, if you try to hang on to your life, then you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will save it. And I want you to hear that today. Because I wish that, that I could convince you today to commit to the discipline of living the crucified life. This is really my goal today. It's a life that regularly puts to death some things in our lives where the end result is a life that is full and a life that is free. That we would put to death some passions and emotions and things that we say, well, I was just born this way. I can't help it. That is your flesh. And he says we need to crucify the flesh. Crucify ourselves in order to live free and in order to live a full life that is in Christ Jesus. See, most people don't want to hear this message. They don't want to hear a message about how they must make some changes and let things go and commit to never doing them again. I asked this question to somebody uh, this week when I was when we were talking about making some changes in, in their life. And, and uh, I asked them, do you feel, do you believe that you could, from this day forward, never do that again. This thing that you're struggling with. You, you feel that you can never do it again. And they said, I, I don't think so. I said, well, are you a disciple of Christ? Are you somebody who, who is dying to yourself? And we went to, uh, we went to the, uh, the verse that says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, I do really believe that you could be transformed. If you can believe that, then we ought to believe that we don't have to, that we don't ever have to do these things again. And so he is, uh, he is teaching us here to, to die to ourself, to die, uh, die to ourselves. If you, uh, you know, most of us, we would rather hear a message about how God can make our troubles go away, Right? We would rather hear a message about how our coworker who always gets on our last nerve that, that if they could just, if God could just like make them go away, then we're never going to gossip again. Right? Or if God could just like miraculously like clear the highway every time that we get on it, then we're never going to have road rage again. If, if he could just like, like fix fix that person that always is, is like getting under my skin, then, then I'm never going to act out in anger again. But what God is trying to get us to understand is that even if, even if that was 
fixed. Even if that situation was fixed and that coworker was moved, that thing is still deep seated in you. And that we need to deal with what's right here first and foremost. We need to learn to live the crucified life. And so as I went through this book of Galatians and my goodness, time got away from me this morning. But uh, as we learn, as I go through this book of Galatians, I find three different times that uh, this word crucify is mentioned. And as we study this, you, you see that there's three different things that he talks to us uh, that, that, or that uh, Paul is writing to the Galatians uh, saying that they need to crucify three different things. The first one we already read. He's, it was in Romans 6. Or, I'm sorry, it was in uh, uh, Galatians uh, 2, the, verse 20 and 21, where he talks about crucifying ourself. And in crucifying ourself, uh, this is us saying, I need to humble myself before you, God. God, I want less of me and more of you. I want to come before you and be humbled in your presence. God, I, I don't want me making all the choices in my life, but rather I want to hear your voice and to be led by your spirit each and every day. Crucify myself. In Romans 6, 6 and 7, it says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. In 1 Corinthians, it says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I die daily. And if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, this, this past couple of weeks, we talked about crawling up on that altar, that brazen altar, and saying, God, I repent. God, I, I'm coming to this place of repentance. God, God, let me be a living sacrifice before you. Where it's not about my way, but rather it's about your way. God, I want your way in my life. And I love what John the Baptist had to say in John chapter 3, verse 30, where he said, I, or he must increase and I must decrease. This is what it's all about when we say, I crucify myself. It's about letting God be the most important voice, uh, the thing that is guiding me, directing me, and not me in my own self. I need to practice humility. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, again, he speaks about crucifixion. He says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and the lusts. So first he said crucify self. Now he says crucify the flesh. Now the flesh is this biblical way of saying my emotions, my desires, my passions. Those things that I want of my own emotion. Now this is where I say you might say, well, I was just born this way. That's, that's the Irish coming out in me. That's why I curse that person out. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that was your flesh. And it's not, we can't just, we can't just blame it on who I was and this is just who I am. No, I need to crucify my flesh. I need to put my emotions under some, no, I need to, to make it die. I need to learn for that to die so that I can live in Christ Jesus. I need to make a choice to serve the Lord. That's what this all comes down to. It's about making a choice to serve God, crucifying my flesh, saying, I, from this day forward, 
will not allow my emotions to lead me and guide me. But rather, I am going to start my day out in prayer and say, God, I need the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I need, I need this to be, what, uh, to, be, to be my identity today. And then the last thing, he says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He says we need to crucify the world. Crucify the world. This is to say that all the things of the world that are coming in and, 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 and we can, in fact, this, this past week, we took out as, as a time of a media fast. And this is all about crucifying the world. It's about saying the world, what it has to offer me, I don't need it. What Taylor Swift has to, to, to speak into my life, I don't really need that. What the world is trying to speak into my life, what that, what that Instagram marriage counselor has to say to speak into my life, I don't need that. I need what God would speak into my life. I don't need to, I don't need to, to find all of these, these, these ways for life from the world. I need to find it from the Word of God and in my prayer. I need to crucify myself to the world and the world to myself. I need to practice separation from the world. That's why in 2 Corinthians it says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them. Be separate. Separate yourself from the world. And I know that we have those who are making their way back in right now from our Sunday school classes. But if we could, just every eye closed here for just a moment. Every head bowed. Whether you're in this room today or you're at home and you're watching this online, I just, I just want to, to pray with you here as we close out this service here this morning. And would you just, just join me? Would you say, in your own words, would you say, Lord, God, what, what are you trying to say to me? God, what, what are you trying to speak to me right now? Uh, God, what are you, what are you asking me to give up? What are you asking me, God, to die to? Because if I want to be a disciple today, if I want to be somebody who would really uh, allow there to be change that's still happening in me. It's not just the change that happened when I first came to you and I was saved. But God, I'm still changing and I'm still still wanting to hear your voice and hear what you have to say it's, as you call me to change, as you call me to, to, uh, to crucify my flesh and cru- crucify myself and crucify myself to the world. God, let me hear your voice clearly. This is a daily thing. It's a daily thing. So let us come to you right now, God. And I I just want to submit myself to you. God, put myself on that cross. And I die to my flesh. And I die to those things that are contrary to you. God, I die to trying to earn your approval by doing things my own way or doing things, God, by uh, by being good enough. But rather, God, I just want to serve you out of love. I want to serve you out of a full heart, God, that is yearning for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Holy Spirit, break us. 